Well, good morning. We're going to continue in 1 Thessalonians today, and I want to ask the question, I mean, how often do you wish that somebody you love and care about could or would express appreciation or their love to you? But they just seem like they can't. When you're doing a good job at work, which feels better, to tell yourself, I think I'm doing a good job, or when your supervisor or a coworker turns to you and says, well, I really thought you did a great job in that assignment. Which makes you feel more love when you read the Bible or when somebody comes up to you and says, man, I want you to know I really respect you. I really love you. I really I want you to know that you matter to me. I think about it this way. If each of us were to think about that moment that we felt most loved. Most appreciated. Most valued. What's one of those moments for you that stands out? I bet it's a conversation. I bet it was a note. I bet it was a comment that some person made to you. I got a a CD in the mail uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas from my Uncle Jim. I don't see Uncle Jim hardly ever. He uh, listens to the CDs that we do here at the church for the last 10 years. In fact, he categorizes them, alphabetizes them, and and passes them out to everybody. So he's a big fan. And in this, uh, he's also, he also listens to this one. So thank you, Jim, for your CD. And Jim, that was very long. It was an hour and 20 minute CD that he addressed to me. And in the midst of that, he shared his struggles with some different vices in his life and how God has helped him overcome that. Then he shared with me that he saw a calling upon my life when I was very, very young. He said, Chad, I'm not taking credit for it. I want you to know I could tell that God had his hand on your life. And I just knew he was going to do something with you. Then he went on to, to encourage and talk about my dad and the influence my father had on me. Then he went on to talk about his sister, my mom. He said, my boy, Diane is just brilliant. She is just an incredible mother, the way she you know, interacted in your life. And, and you know, he told a lot of stories about my dad, not as many about my mom. And it's not because my mom wasn't a less influence. A lot of what I do comes from my dad, but a lot of who I am comes from my mom. My mom is just incredibly compassionate. She's incredibly kind. She's got a great heart. And she is brilliant. She's got ability to just be empathetic toward people and assess folks. And I wrote her a note when I was a high school student that said, Mom, I want you to know that you're my best friend. And it went on to explain why. And she said she still keeps that note. So here's a note 20 plus years later that my mom is holding on to because there's something powerful when we speak into each other's lives. So I called my mom up as soon as I got the CD. I said, Mom, I don't know how often any of us hear our brother say we're brilliant. But your brother just said you were brilliant. So I want to make sure, in case it didn't make it to you, I'll deliver it indirectly. And she said, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I think we're going to see today in Thessalonians that Paul is going to share some very heartfelt words of encouragement to the Thessalonians. And we're going to discover something that I think sounds odd when you first hear it, but it'll ring true when you begin to let it sink in, is this. The heart can only be filled with the mouth. The heart can only be filled by the mouth. So what does that mean? I mean that our hearts are designed to have other people speak into them and to fill them up with these things like comfort and attention and joy and purpose and appreciation and respect. That hearts, there's hearts all around us and God has given us the opportunity to speak into those hearts with words just as Paul's going to do today. I mean we expect, expect our kids to, to know that we treasure them in our hearts, but they only can hear what we say and see our schedule. We expect our spouse to know that we appreciate them, but they're listening for what we say. 
We expect our employees to know how much we care about them because we pay them and we haven't fired them. But they're listening for whisperings and comments that they would know from you and I that we have the power to pour into and to impact people's hearts. So Paul's going to give us three principles to connect our mouth to another person's heart. And we're going to look at this almost like Paul's giving a demonstration speech. He's showing us how to do it. We're going to talk about some archaeological stuff and historical stuff, but today we're really going to zoom in on what is Paul doing to the Thessalonians and how could I do the same to somebody else's heart? Let's read the whole passage. It's real short today. I'll read it to you. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in faith. Now, may our God and Father himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. And so that he may establish in your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. So Paul is trying to work with God as God is trying to establish some things in their heart. And notice that as he's doing that, it's his personal letter he's written. So let's dig into the first part of the verse together. I think the first principle we see here is that if you and I are going to touch and fill other people's hearts, we need to learn to be utterly obvious, just clear about it. Be utterly obvious. And here's why. Because people, people discern unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. I mean, if you don't say something, it's not neutral, is it? When you don't say something, people perceive it as ingratitude. When you don't say something, people connect the dots in the most pathological way possible. Paul's been gone for a year, and they're going to presume to themselves, not, I think Paul's thinking of me. They're going to presume to themselves, Paul's forgotten about us. All of us do this. We perceive unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. It's right here in the text. Notice, Paul is very thankful for the Thessalonians. What thanks? Holding's a big question mark, notice. What thanks? Can we render to God for you? Our hearts are so filled up. Would it even be possible to thank God enough for what we've done? And notice that right now there's a lot of rendering going on. There's a lot of giving forth of thanks to other people. But look who it's going to. He's been thanking God for them. Day and night he's been praying exceedingly for them. Oh my goodness. Praying the Thessalonians, their faith. Oh God, thank you for what you did there. But how would they know? He's got all this rendering going on to God, day and night, exceedingly. But how would they ever know, except that he had to be utterly obvious? Write a note. Send a messenger. Make sure you know. Hey, there's a whole lot of praying going on. There's a whole lot of encouraging going on. There's a whole lot of uh, of thinking about you going on. And I want to make sure you knew about it, so I sent you a note. I sent a messenger to communicate our love to you. Paul is utterly obvious because he wants those hearts of the Thessalonians to know how much he cares for them and loves them. He longs to see their face. We'll talk about that in a moment. He wants them to know the joy which has filled their heart. Oh my goodness, when I think of you, what a blessing you are. When I think of how meaningful it is to see what God's doing in your life, I am so, so thankful. I think this is so important that we learn to be utterly obvious in our encouragement to one another. And here's why. 
hearts leak. Hearts leak. And so you fill it up, but they drip out. We live in a world that's so negative and bombards us with stuff that's not encouraging that all the hearts around you leak. Your boss's heart leaks. Your board member's hearts leak. Your friend's hearts leak. Your spouse's heart leaks. Your children's heart leaks. And so God has given us the opportunity to be utterly obvious and to not only pray and render to God, but then to speak those words of encouragement and joy into people's hearts that leak. And listen, there's only one way to get from your heart, that joy that you're rendering to God, into somebody else's heart. There's no such thing as magic. There's no such thing as magic that's going to magically get within your heart into somebody else's heart. God has given us one tool to get from there to there. And that tool is called, you're in my big fat mouth. That's the tool. That's it. That's how you get from your heart to somebody else's heart. And we say, well, I'm not good at that. Listen, we use our mouth to criticize. We use our mouth to tear down. We're very quick to tell people what we're annoyed by. We need to use our mouth to communicate into these leaky hearts the utter obviousness of God's love and care for them. I got a chance to see this this week. I got a chance for the first time to go down to one of the back-to-back facilities. And while we were there, here's a couple pictures. Uh, here up at the top right corner, there's a very, very poor area of Cancun. Uh, a lot of poor areas. There's a very poor area called Tres Reyes. And in the middle of this area, um, a, a group of about 20 guys from Horizon went down this week, and we built a soccer field. And there must not be, maybe, a, maybe there's one professional arena in Cancun that has a soccer field like this, but this is probably the only other one in the country. And it's being designed to draw in families, to draw in children, and yet, because it's probably the only other one in the whole country, they didn't actually have one of the actual rubber sand machines to push it into the stuff. And so we were that machine. I got to watch 20 guys haul 17 tons of sand and rubber by hand because we didn't have the right tool on their hands and knees two days in the hot sun, probably three, when you total it all up, pushing the rubber into the places it needed to be. And at the end of that night, celebrating that God is going to use this as a -a one-of-a-kind tool to bring people to know him, children and parents. The group would get together and they would uh, share at the end of the day, where did you see God today? And they would just speak encouragement to each other's life. I just really appreciate the way you, I'm so thankful the way you. One of the guys on the team shared with me the story about why he chose to be part of the team. He said, I was going to use a certain amount of money to buy a lake house, but God was really prompting me to use it for something that had a grander vision. And so he was one of the main financers for the soccer field. And he just got very emotional every day talking about, oh my goodness, guys, to have us all out there on our hands and knees serving these, these folks like Jesus served us. I'm just so, so grateful to God. And I just got to see everyone in that group just be built up as they saw what God was doing in the midst of this. Be utterly obvious in your communication to one another, and you're encouraging one another, even in the midst of difficult, hot-filled, crawling around on your hands in these moments, if your back hurts and your body hurts, and yet we encourage one another. The second thing Paul mentions, or what I'll call is, stop believing in x-ray vision. You say, well, I don't believe in x-ray vision. Yeah, you do. All of us do. And we need to stop it. Here's what x-ray vision is. X-ray vision is when I believe that other people's job is to see what's in my heart. You just need to know, in my heart, I appreciate you. In my heart, I prioritize you. In my heart, I feel such wonderful things to you. 
There's no such thing as x-ray vision. People only see what we do and hear what we say. They have no idea what we think or feel. So expecting other people's hearts to be filled up by x-ray visioning what's in our heart, they're only going to see our schedule and they're only going to hear our words. We've got to use the tool God's given us. And look what Paul does. Paul says, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day. This has been a huge process. This is a daily occurrence for him. Exceedingly that we might see your face. Now, why does he need to see their face? They got the Bible. They got Jesus. They got the Holy Spirit. He already showed up and spoke in the synagogue for three days. For crying out loud, what else do they need? Can't they just with x-ray vision just imagine where he is and say, I'm sure Paul's thinking of us. No, there's something about prioritizing people in your schedule that communicates and fills their heart. I mean, think about Paul. He's trying to get to Caesar. He's trying to get to Felix, to Festus, and to Augustus. He's also trying to get to, who did I miss? Agrippa. So he's going after the big wig influencers of his day. And he's saying, of all the stuff I'm going on, I'm wrapping around Europe two or three times on these missionary journeys. And I want you to know, of all the priorities I have going on, I can't wait to prioritize my schedule to see your face. Because I want to get face to face with you and encourage you and tell you how much you mean to me. To tell you how excited I am, the joy that fills my heart by what God is doing in you right now. And I love that idea that Paul, in everything going on, knows that something happens when you prioritize a person. Especially when someone like the Apostle Paul's prioritizing us. This really matters. I want to see your face. And I also, when I come there, I want to encourage you for the joy that you brought in my life. But I also want to encourage you that there's, there's still some things you can move on toward. There's some ways you can continue to mature in what's going on. Now, most scholars think that Paul was writing from Corinth. So Paul is in Corinth here. And he's writing to the Thessalonians up here in Thessalonica. Now, if you were to drive that journey today in a car, it would take you five hours and 45 minutes. So imagine trying to get to it by ancient roads. Imagine trying to get to it by sea. Think of all the shipwrecks and all the difficulties Paul had every time he gets on the sea. So wouldn't it be easier just to write a note or assume the best? You know what, guys? It's too risky. It's too challenging. Just whatever I told you five years ago, stick with that. If it changes, I'll tell you. Wouldn't that be easier? But Paul doesn't. He knows that they don't have x-ray vision. They're not going to imagine that many miles away what was going on in his heart. He wrote a note. And then he said, I want to come face to face with you. I want to help fill your hearts what God has for me. And remember, Paul came to Thessalonica when they were unconvinced about God, about Jesus, about the Bible. He came to them when they were unconvinced. And, and how are our unconvinced friends going to learn about God and Jesus if we don't open our mouth? Now, they may be attracted to the message by how we live, but at some point we have to open our mouth and share for the hope that is within us. I love how Paul says it in Romans. He says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall unconvinced people know how to call upon God? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They can't call and they can't believe until they first hear. So what do they need? What does God want to use to get his incredible treasure into their hearts? How shall they hear without a preacher, without a proclaimer, without a communicator? Now, this is not a, a, a book written to pastors. Like Paul wrote to all the pastors, said, hey, you've got to start talking about this stuff. 
Paul's talking to everyone in the church in Rome. Every person and saying, how will your friends know about Jesus? How would the Thessalonians have known about Jesus? How will your neighbors and co-workers know about Jesus unless you become the proclaimer? Our unconvinced friends don't have x-ray vision. They can see our life. And that brings them, attracts them to the message. But at some point, you and I need to learn how to, in a normal, natural, winsome, authentic way, proclaim, speak these words. I got a note. I get a lot of notes. Every Tuesday we get together as a staff and we encourage one another by sharing uh, God stories or God's at work at the church. So I got several notes like this for our Clash of the Titan series. But one came in and just said, hey, I want to thank you so much. We're doing a series at our exploring service showing how God... And Jesus encountered the different uh, Greek gods in mythology and how the New Testament writer showed Jesus was supreme. First, said, hey, I noticed all the work. I want you to know I saw the flyer. I, I grabbed the flyer. I used the flyer to invite our friends. We got friends who don't attend church who are coming for the first time because of how you constructed it. It was so easy to do. Another guy walked in the door. He said, you know, I don't come to your equipping service. I love the exploring service. Uh, the opening week, you used ACDC's Thunderstruck when you guys talked about uh, Dionysus. That was awesome, so much so that even though I'm sort of coming and not coming to your equipping service, I invited somebody who's unconvinced, and I invite them to the service because I'm seeing what God's doing in my life. And I was so excited after the service to introduce me to the friend that he had brought. See, that's what it means for us to be God's voice piece, to, 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 to speak into other people's lives, to do what Paul has done here. Well, Paul goes on. Paul says that you and I get a chance by being utterly obvious and by not believing x-ray vision. You and I get to be, think about this, we get to be God's mouthpiece. Now God sometimes speaks through burning bushes. He sometimes speaks through donkeys. He sometimes comes down in a vision or an angel. But most of the time through history, most of the time even through the Bible, God chooses to speak indirectly through his followers. How inefficient. You talk about the worst possible scenario. It's inefficient. It's slower. They make mistakes. They botch it up. He says, yeah, but I love partnering with you. I want to do this together. Sure, I could do it better by myself. I don't want to do it by myself. I want to team up with you. You and I get a chance to be God's mouthpiece. God wants to speak indirectly to others through us. We get to be the conduit of his encouragement, of his comfort, of his love, of his appreciation. What a privilege. And yet when we don't open our mouth, we rob the other person of receiving. We rob ourselves of being used as God's voice box. Here's what Paul says. Now, may God our Father himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say next? Bring you a burning bush? Send you an angel? He says, no, direct our way to you. We are so excited and we are so praying that God would allow us to be the voice to encourage you. God, use us. We are praying that God would get us face to face with you so we could tell you how God feels about you. So we can tell you how we feel about you on behalf of God. And here's what we're hoping. When we come face to face and God uses us, we want God to, we want you to know what God's doing in your heart. Verse 12, may the Lord make you increase. And abound in love to one another. We're hoping we come and encourage you. The net result is your love is just going to abound. It's going to increase. It's going to grow toward one another. Just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts 
blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Notice a few things. One, God directs through us. Number two, other people. God says, I use other people to increase your love. Paul said, I'm hoping God brings us to you so that we can be part of helping increase your love capacity. God uses us to challenge growth in other people. Notice he says um, that you will abound in love. We want to challenge people, that we want you to increase in, in your establishment of your hearts, that God wants to help use us to help you grow or push you forward. God uses other people in your life to push you toward purity, that you would be blameless, that you would understand that in Christ you are free, you are blameless, there's no condemnation. You need other people to nudge you in that direction to help you understand the implications of this message. Notice also, in our pursuit of holiness, God says, Paul says, I, I want to come and tell you that you are holy in Christ and you can begin to live according to that new identity you have in holiness. And Paul is so excited about the chance he has to be that mouthpiece. But even in the midst of that, who's the one that actually does the work? Right here. That he may establish. Paul's not doing the work. Paul's just the indirect conduit of the encouragement and the words that God uses to establish hearts. Now, I introduced you to a tool a few weeks ago that I think is helpful in trying to figure out how to impl- implement this in your life. I've been using this tool for about 10 years. It's called the emotional cup. And I think it's helpful because it reminds us that God has designed all the little hearts around you, in your family, in your neighbors, with needs. God's designed us with needs. Some of us have a need for attention, affection, appreciation, the need for blessing, the need for comfort. I'll talk about blessing for a second. Blessing is not just people encourage you for what you do. Nothing wrong with that. But blessing is saying, no, you are a blessing to me. Our friendship, our relationship, just being who you are is so meaningful. And there's something in every human heart that longs to be blessed, to know that we matter because of who we are, not what we do. It's nice to hear, good job uh, cleaning the house. It's it's nice to hear, good job with the kids. It's nice to hear, thank you for bringing home the paycheck. But in your heart, you sort of wonder to myself, am I just an ATM? Am I just a house cleaner? There's something deeper than just appreciation that says, I want you to know that you matter to me. It's a treasure to know you. Occasionally, I'll text my my son or my daughter, Javen or Sierra, and I'll just say, I'm proud to be your dad. So thankful for you. I really appreciate you. I'm trying to bestow that idea of blessing to them. Comfort. Some of us need comfort. Some to enter our world, the respect, security, and support. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, so I won't belabor it, except to say, when those needs go unmet, when somebody has not learned to open their mouth and communicate that to us on behalf of God, there's a sense of loss that's deposited into the small part of our brain that holds our emotions, a very small section. And there's loss and disappointment there. And that quickly gets filled up with anger. Maybe it's passive-aggressive anger. We begin to withdraw from places we don't feel loved. Or we actively get angry that you weren't comforting or you didn't respect me or you didn't appreciate what I did. And that gets filled in with fear. Oh, my goodness, is this ever going to change? This job, is it ever going to change? Is this marriage ever going to change? Is my dad ever going to get it? Is mom ever going to get it? And that pretty soon I begin to say something I shouldn't have said and, and all of a sudden I feel guilt. And all the positive emotions get pushed out of my brain, out of my emotions, out of my spirit. There's just not much left to build a relationship on because it's so filled with gack. And God has given you and I the opportunity to reverse that trend in the hearts around us. 
Because those same holes in our hearts that leak out the good stuff, the holes are just big enough to hold all the bad stuff, isn't it? All the bad stuff stays. Through confession, through encouragement, we can help create space that God might work. Because when you encourage somebody, when you tell somebody, boy, I want you to know, I saw how you did that. I saw how you worked on that project. Man, that was really great work. And you give attention. Your son or daughter comes up and they're drawing a picture and you, you look at the picture and say, man, son, way to go. When you express that, you know, instead of loss, there's a sense of joy. You feel like you matter. What you do matters. You move to hope instead of anger. You have hope. There's, there's positivity in your life. There's hope that, that God's doing something in my life. That he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. As Paul will tell the, I think, Philippians. There's love instead of fear. Because, you know, perfect love casts out fear. So if you've got fear in your relationships, it's not going to change. We're stuck in a rut. You know what you need there? You need love to cast out that fear. Instead of guilt, you have grace. And now your heart is filled with these positive emotions that can be built upon. I had a lady came to me last night after this message. And she said, Chad, I've got to tell you, that's exactly what happened with my father. We, can't, we grew up in a very abusive situation. All of us, and we all came to Christ because of it. And my dad came up to me, he said, before she said, before he died, he said, You know what, I, I am so sorry. I know I'm a bad dad. She said, Dad, I've forgiven you. She said, I know I'm a bad dad because I see what a great mom you are. She said, That has meant the world to me. That one comment was standing tall amongst a sea of abuse in her past. You and I have the power to be that mouthpiece to speak into these hearts around us. And notice how Paul does this. So let's take this tool and apply it to Paul. So notice how Paul is very specifically communicating to these deep needs in their hearts. For what thanks can we render to God for you? We are so thankful for you. And here's this idea of blessing. We're not just thankful for what you're doing or for your giving. We are thankful for you. You are a blessing to us. He's communicating that. We're thankful for you. You bring me joy. That's a blessing. We rejoice for your sakes. The felt need of attention is somebody entering your world. Somebody to say, boy, what you do matters. We rejoice for your sake. We're thinking of you. We want to see you face to face because we want to know you're a priority to us. There it is again. See your face. You're a priority. We also want to encourage you to perfect what is lacking. When somebody comes into your life and you're feeling down, you're up against an obstacle, and somebody says, no, you can do this. I know you can do this. They encourage you. They put courage into you. And your heart just gets filled up with some more courage to take on a challenge to begin to beat you down. We're hoping God will direct our way to you. And there's that attention again. We want you to abound in love. And there's that idea. I want you to encourage you to keep moving forward. There's more love. There's more capacity God has for you. That he may establish your hearts. Blameless in holiness. You see the appreciation in there. You see the attention in there. You see the blessing in there. He's already mentioned in the previous chapter they're going through a very difficult time of, of, of trial and tribulation. And so they need comfort. So part of the comfort he's offering is we want to see your face. We want to give you support. We want to let you know this is a tough thing and we're in it with you. And I love this idea that Paul is pouring into their hearts and their hearts are getting filled with joy and hope and love and grace. That God's offering us the chance to do the same thing. So here's the question. If the heart can only be filled with the mouth, who do you and I need this week, maybe even today, to open our mouth to? All of heaven is waiting to work through you today. 
to fill up somebody's heart. I mean, imagine God gathers the angels around and says, here it comes. This incredible resource, the love and appreciation of God. And I'm about to funnel it through your mouth. And they're all waiting. Will you open? Will you say it? Uh, of the hurting, leaking hearts around you, will you be the conduit to bring comfort to someone, to bring appreciation to someone, to bless someone who needs it deeply? So here's my encouragement, my takeaway for us. I want you to pick two people and two of their needs that this week you want to speak into. And I want you to intentionally, even if you're not good at it, you know how you get good at it? You practice. So if you say, well, I'm not really good at this. Good, this is a great chance for you to try it. And next week you'll be better at it. Get better at it. So pick two people. It might be a spouse, your kids, your friends, your employees, or the unconvinced. The series is called In Light Of, because God says, in light of my coming, in light of my coming, time is of the essence. My my imminent return can happen any moment. Don't wait any longer. Be the conduit God's called you to be. So I put in your program some lines. I want you to identify two people. For me, it might be my wife. It might be uh, Sierra. It might be a friend. It might be a coworker. But I want you to write down two names. Two people that you say, this week, God, I feel like you're directing me to encourage or to speak to this person's life. So last night I decided to do this one and this one. So I'm going to go with Javen. And I'm going to go with a friend of mine. Now I'm going to think about what does Javen primarily need. And I know Javen, one of his primary needs is respect and appreciation. So that's what I'm going to work on this week, which is I'm going to find specific moments in Javen's life to communicate respect and appreciation. He really made some huge accomplishments while we were gone in Cancun. I want to make sure I communicate that today. And a friend, I want to just tell one of my friends just what a blessing he is to me and his friendship. So make that list. Think about that. Communicate that. I was talking with a friend about this, about... uh, a month ago, he was saying that he and his mom get into all these uh, fights over uh, political discussions. You know, which is better, CNN or Fox News? And they just always become these fruitless uh, discussions where everybody's end up mad at each other. I said, what if you reframe the whole conversation? Next time it comes up, instead of getting into that whole thing, mom's trying to control you whether the kids should wear helmets or whatever it is. What if you took that moment to speak in your mom's heart? He said, what do you mean? I said, what if next time your mom's saying your kids really ought to blank? You just, instead of responding to it or reacting to it, what if you just said, Mom, you know one of the things I appreciate you is the way you always cared about me and the way you're loving my kids the same way you love me. He said, well, that would change things. I said, it sure would. You'd have a fruitful conversation. He goes, I can do that. So even the people who annoy you the most and you most are reactive toward, put them on the list because they're the, probably the people with the leakiest hearts, aren't they? That's why they're so controlling. Take an opportunity that you could be the voice of blessing to them. And that's going to draw them to Christ far more than a conversation on politics. Let's pray. Father, thank you that through Christ you didn't just stay from a distance and send us a manual. You didn't just stay from a distance and send us a formula. You came to dwell among us. You came face to face with us to become that great high priest who can sympathize with us, who's walked in our shoes who knows what we deal with. And Father, you communicate to us a model of how to appreciate, how to bless, how to love, how to comfort one another. May we be people who are so in touch with the reality of your work in our life that we cannot keep it to ourselves, 
May we be known as, as heart fillers wherever we go to those who believe the way we do and those who don't. We love to bless others because you blessed us. You make it rain upon the just and the unjust. You make the sun shine down upon all. And may we do the same as we interact with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. If you came prepared to give, there's some offering boxes on the way out. Or if you're new to Horizon, we'd love to meet you. Third door on the left is the hearth room.